Greetings and happy Tuesday. This is the Desiree Show on Dash Radio. First downs and flip tricks. It is the 16th day of April. Uh, the NFL draft is upon us. And uh, last week I was at Chargers, a uh, local pro day. Um, highlight for me was obviously Trojan Cameron Smith. Uh, great hands. Uh, great hands on the field. Uh Phenomenal hands as a linebacker and even more impressive afterwards with post-interviews with all of us. Um, another one that actually was on my radar and I didn't get a chance to speak to him was Alec Backman from Wake Forest, great hands, wide receiver, um, also one to look for. Um, and I had a really special treat in meeting Jeremiah Spicer, who goes to, went to University of Riverside and has a phenomenal story. He'll be coming in studio, um, soon as well. Eight different high schools, um, grew up in foster homes and he's got quite a, quite a special, um, special story to share with you guys uh coming up next week uh, i believe denzel perriman as well russell wilson of the seahawks finally agreed uh got a nice payday 140 million uh 65 million signing bonus and a no trade clause with 107 million guaranteed now uh anyways many players uh have reported but first season workouts in los angeles were yesterday uh, the 15th, a lot of, all the guys showed up, or many of the guys showed up all over the league. Uh, and yesterday, sadly, and I do need to mention, the world watched with tears as Notre Dame Cathedral burnt. Um, it's just heartbreaking. And uh, heartbreaking also to see or to feel the impact that this cathedral had on all of us uh, worldwide. Um, and uh, what was one note is... Uh, President Emmanuel Macron vowed to reconstruct this historic building, and already a number of companies and businesses have pledged uh, 600 million euros um, uh, for this project to continue. Now, uh, heavy, uh, but now I, I really want to shift. I'm super excited to welcome a phenomenal man in studio, um, ex- extremely inspiring, very talented man, a man who touched many of our hearts on Hard Knocks, uh, or if you're Stanford Cardinal, I'm sure he was on your radar as well. Uh, and now he's gone into healing. I'm really excited to welcome Devin Kajust. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I mean, such a treat. And I really want, I want to thank Jade as well, um, from Island Block, uh, who helped line this up and, you know, she's over at Fresh Pineapple if on Instagram as well. I want to give her a little shout out because I really, I, I've been wanting you in studio since I saw you last season on Hard Knocks. Oh, wow. Thank you. Wow. So, I'm really glad this, that this can work out. Yeah, for me as well. Yeah. So uh, now you grew up in... Uh, Seaford, Long Island, New York. Syos. Sy- it's Sy- Nassau. Yeah, I was born in Syosset, okay, like the in hospital. Okay, the, the hospital. hospital. Okay. But I grew up in Seaford. Okay, and you grew up yeah, in Seaford. Okay. Yeah, which is Nassau County, and then there's Syosset, yeah. Now that's it's, close to, that's in Long Island. It is, yeah. Okay. South Shore, and then my, so my parents split. My dad is in West Hempstead, so back and forth between those two. Okay. Yeah. All right, so, and uh, started playing football at 10. Yeah. Uh, kind of to, uh, from what I read, a little bit, uh not so much to do football. I mean, obviously, I'm sure you like doing it, but kind of with uh, mainly your for dad. my dad. Mainly, yeah. I, again, I played eight sports growing up. 
mainly did it for him. Uh, a lot of us chase our parents' love or that love that we want, or we just want to see them smile and make them proud. That was definitely the reason I started playing football because I strongly disliked the sport. I did. Like, didn't fall in love with it until five years later. And then even then, like, was back and forth with it. So I can say now that I was, like, never in love with the sport, but I love football. So yeah. not until you were a sophomore then? Yeah, in high school. Played wow. five years where I'm just like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? I don't I don't I only like the games and my teammates was fun. It was just like but more the practice of it, and vomiting it, from having to run so much and I just sorry. didn't like any of it. I didn't like yeah, I just didn't like most of it. It was just like an, a sport to me. I'm like, why go through all this pain for a small amount of glory and like what it just it was pointless. I didn't want to be in a part of it. And yet to see the reaction on my dad's face that one day which was the game week, I'm like, that's worth it. <laughs> it's like, it's worth it. And then, yeah, you get an attention, you know, this other form of love that you want to learn how to, like, be humble and appreciate, but attention felt good. And I was a loner, different kid, oddball, whatever, grew up that way. And it's all right. Like, I embraced that. But at the time when you're younger, when you think you're weird and you're picked on a bunch, what you want is attention. You want to feel accepted. And so I did whatever I could to get that acceptance. Right on. Yeah, through football. Yeah. I mean, yeah. or through, you know, I, I understand. I mean, I'm, I'm a loner as well. Yeah. I, I mean, lone wolf. My husband even calls me lone wolf. I, you know? Yeah, I have a pendant with a crystal in it that has a wolf and a moon on it. Oh. And it's main, one of my main spirit animals. Like, I understand it. I'm all about it. <laughs> right on, right on. Uh, and, you know, I uh, another connection I had is, you know, listening is this, because I also, my dad is my mentor. Um, and we all were raised going to USC football games and Ooh, I know so that was going to come. It came faster than I anticipated. <laughs> However, we'll talk about that a little later. Um, I was a running back because of Charles uh, white, Marcus Allen and Ricky bell. Um, we watched Ronnie lot play. Uh, Vince Evans was the quarterback at SC. Um, but all my sisters and I can throw the football. I can still throw it 30 yards. Um, my husband hey. likes me to do punt returns. Um, I, you know, I, I was a running back because I was short. I was always short. Um, and so that was. You had the heart. And the heart. You had the heart. To be a running back is a different breed. Remember, right? It's like they defeat the odds where like the smallest person on the field, but the one that can do the most tankiest work next to linebackers. Yeah. But they're bigger than running backs. But wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, they're small or small enough. For me, it was small enough that like they couldn't see me. So I was oh, more on like the Darren well. Sproles type thing, you know? <laughs> yes. I didn't really have yeah. the girth, you know, but like I was definitely shorter and smart, smaller, you know, but, but football, but you, but football was a connection and it still is with my dad and with my sisters. And on game days, I don't watch uh, USC game days. I should say college days, uh, college games. Uh, we have sort of these traditions um, where, Every touchdown, I have to call the house. And then if my mom is in the kitchen when USC makes a touchdown, she has to stay in the kitchen. And like my sister and my dad won't let her back in to the other room. Um, so, or or if SC is doing well and she's sitting on the couch, she can't leave. And uh, so, yeah. huge superstitions. So total total superstitions and traditions. It's hilarious. Uh, or they'll have to shift seats. You know, it's it's pretty. You, I mean, you've yeah, heard of this I know craziness. all about it. Yeah, I'm all on board. So and also, <laughs> you share um, in 2011, uh, 2001. My dad had triple bypass surgery. Um, he has had four different strokes. Um, oh wow! The last one. Um, what? Well, no, and I. Um, and so another part of my heart also 
uh, was pulled uh, with you being so candid and sharing about your father um, and his um, and what has happened with him. Yeah. Uh, and what a fighter. I just, yeah, just the things that he has been through, like that's why I never wanted to complain about pain. And even when I did, I felt bad or guilty. And I mean, obviously you shouldn't. However, it's like, again, like three heart attacks, two strokes, a pacemaker, had a tracheotomy, dealing with lung cancer, had breast cancer. Like, I mean, this man has just been through the ripper and I don't even, we're at 47, 49, oh, 49 surgeries he's had now. I mean, I just, this man has been through the ringer and just comes out every day with that attitude. Just, we're fighters. Here we are. Let's go after it. And he's 52. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Just, yeah. Now wears an 800-volt life vest that if he is, his heart stops working and he's not awake or something like that and say he falls down, it'll shock him awake. Yeah. So, and he has to, if his heart rate gets too high or, like, stops moving, like, he has to hit a button to let it know, like, hey, he's okay and awake. Or it will shock him. <laughs> yeah, it's just he's whatever he can to just stay alive. This man's doing it. His will is un, it's unprecedented, really. Former Marine, so it makes sense. No, totally. Yeah. Now, now you share what, you know, of not your, his impact on you, obviously. But I know the last stroke my dad had, um, I mean, I, I, anything with, mom or dad is like the, the rug gets yanked from under you, at least for me, you know? Um, and you know, just being there, but, uh, and watching them, watching the men, our mentors not be a hundred percent when those things have happened. Um, you begin to real able to kind of really be there and also, you know, commend him on what he's done. Yeah. I mean, the last name could juice, you know, it means justice and fairness. And it's French. And so seeing me, I'm like, I always felt injustice for ever complaining, like I mentioned earlier. But to see someone who technically had a very, uh, not even technically, had a very unfair life, right? Really has no reason to be happy if you had that example, if you wanted to use that. Like, grew up in Queens, New York, you know? Like, parents there were, were Haitian, like, grew up in the streets, became a Marine, like really just the odds against him. Oh, and then he comes out and just like fighting his whole life, really. And then finally he catches the break and in some instances, and he just continues to fight and try and give as much as he possibly can to the world is like, I mean, it's really hard to not follow that example. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Um, and I don't want to, you know, I mean, I, I wanted to touch on this because it's obviously very, you're close. I mean, I'm close with my family and, and you are so, close. So, yeah. Um, one thing touching about is, like, interesting enough, they didn't put on hard knocks. What we talked about in the interview, and my dad doesn't like when I say this, but I think it brings the rawness to relationships and families. Is like n no one's family is perfect. Everyone has their ups and downs. And my dad and I didn't talk for a year and a half before that interview. And what was interesting is I had called him maybe, like, four or five days beforehand, and we had a talk. And we caught up and we hit play and basically I asked him to come out. And then Hard Knock saw our relationship and then said, hey, can we film this? So it was like very coincidental timing. My dad to the point was like, did you invite me back into your life for this interview? And I was like, well, I can't believe you. I think I would do that one. But two, it's like, no, they just saw us hitting play. And then they liked this story. Like I wasn't even selected as a feature. 
And so that evolved and then our relationship came. And then it's like ebbing and flowing again where it's like I take what I can, but I also recognize leaving the nest is really important. Many of us don't want to leave the nest or we haven't been far enough to become our own person and we'll create this dependency or they'll create a dependency on us. And so we'll have our separation again. And so here I am out in L.A. and we're not talking very much. I'm not playing ball. And but I've taken a lot from what I can from him. And he again, like the ups and downs, like the parents are the greatest teachers. If you want to hate your parents or blame them for so many of those things, it's like you better thank them for that because you're the person that you are because of it. And if you don't like those things about yourself, well, then you have a choice to change. And if you do, well, guess what? That's because of them. So like giving him kudos to everything that he's taught me and the biggest shouts and that families aren't perfect. And there are long periods of time where we're not going to talk and we may talk for a moment and then disappear and may never talk again. It, it happens. That's family. Mm-hmm. But I still love him unconditionally and I know that that's reciprocated. I just yeah. think it's important to share that, you know. Cause, no, really important. Yeah, because no family is perfect. There right. is no perfect family. Right. And people, you know, they see what they see on TV, and I'm like, it wasn't like that. You asked us two weeks ago. It wasn't like that a year and a half ago. You know, it wasn't. we weren't talking. And then for us to hit play, you know, it was so important. And then here we are again. Like, we're kind of just floating off again. Where I'm not playing ball, and he's just, like, doing his thing, and we're not talking very much. And it's like, you guys are such great friends. I'm like, and sometimes friends don't continue. Sometimes friends come back around later and like that's okay you have to be okay with that and just that honestly i feel like those, that's even greater friends is where you can like do your own thing you reconnect and then you do your own thing and you come back and forth you ebb and flow i think it's important for people to know that like you don't have to be consumed or always like oh you guys were this you were so strong and i'm like yeah it was amazing and not that it's not amazing now it's important to disconnect to become your own person that when you reconnect it's a multiplier not a divider no it's an ebb and flow yeah, yeah. no it's beautiful now uh tu parles français aussi un petit peu un petit, petit peu un okay petit d'accord peu. <laughs> c'est tout <laughs> <laughs> love that um wow. and you know with uh family yeah family is and you do have to make your own you know you do have to make your separation as well um I want to, uh, you know, I mean, we go right into, well, and I was going to say with this interview, um, it sounds like there's a lot of divine intervention that was happening in both of your lives. Oh, yeah, 100%. Just take the leap of faith, trust in the universe, really has guided me down this beautiful river. And the second I want to get out, and I'm like, no, I got it now, I'll take the hike. Man, that jungle looks so fierce. <laughs> <laughs> Doing it on my own, like, it just, I get reminded all the time. You go a lot further together whether that be with spirit, the people around you, community. But you're never alone. Yeah, that's a very special special note to make. Thank you. If you're just tuning in, I'm joined by Devin Kajusta, and you can follow him on Instagram uh, or on Twitter at the same handle. Um, now, let's let's step back. So football started. We're going we're gonna to reset. We're going to go back. Ten years old, started football. Fifteen, kind of started liking football. Um. 15 to like so your high school years to going to one of the the best schools in the in the states uh stanford yeah uh science driven yes um, big science guy you know you were involved with stem cell research for cancer and multiple other uh, you know for uh, multiple different aspects of stem cell and science how how and, and how how did that you know how did that happen how did i mean because because yeah. getting a football scholarship or or playing football or is is phenomenal to get into a university to play football at a collegiate level especially one of the big 5 i mean 
in the Pac-12? Stanford, not USC, but Stanford. No, I get <laughs> phenomenal school. Um, but then also Stanford to get in collegiately. I mean, just educationally wise. I didn't say collegiately. I didn't, <laughs> I'm really not making sense today. Um, Thank you. Um, how how did that happen? I mean, what? I mean, yeah, that I wasn't in any energy work at all, and the belief of something like that. My school, my West Coast school, honestly was USC. So, oh, wow. yeah. So, okay. and I didn't know much about USC. Not even like you know, I love the arrogance you guys have. It's the confidence. I'll say, I didn't know about that at all, but I knew they were a powerhouse, and I wanted to be a part of that. So that was my California school. Mom's a Notre Dame fan. Dad's Penn State. So oh, big schools trying to reach for. And when Stanford gave me the offer, I actually didn't know who they were. No idea whatsoever. Outdoor kid, like, just play, want to do the sports, and that's about it. So when I got the scholarship, I went down to my French teacher, Madame White, speaking oh, of French. Oh, Dupont better than you say. <laughs> um, and I asked her, I'm like, is this a good school? Because I'm like, maybe this is the And her eyes popped and out. And she literally <laughs> was like, hey, guess what? So I'm going to give you detention, but it's not going to be on your record. And the reason why I'm giving you detention is because I want you to study this school. I want you to do your research. You're not going to have homework, but you're going to study this school because you need to understand the magnitude of what you just got. And I didn't understand that for a very long time. Like NFL athlete, Stanford, like Stanford athlete, all this stuff like that. It, I don't resonate very heavy with, but seeing someone I haven't seen in a long time, connecting with somebody is deeper to me. So learning how to appreciate this stuff has, has been a journey on its own. Anyway, USC was the reason. Found out Stanford's in California. I'm like, oh, my God, California, let's go. Did the research. And what was on there was this two-hour lecture on the homepage by Dr. Irv Wiseman. Mm -hmm. And he was the father of the blood-forming stem cell. And I'm like, this guy is working on curing lung cancer and paralysis. And my dad having lung cancer, I'm like, that was my reason. I'm like, I need to go out here because I need to figure out how to deal with this stuff. And this stuff is so cool. Like, I actually genuinely love regenerative medicine and what stem cells able to accomplish so went on my official visit, went out there, and I'm like, I'm sold, Dad. I need to go here. I'm like, this is happening. Got the SATs up because I wasn't a good SAT person, but school GPA, great, whatever. That's how Stanford works. You can't get in if you're not in the academics. They don't care how talented you are. No. And so I get into the school, and my second year, I meet Dr. Irv Wiseman at this billionaire's house, like whatever party it was, and I was like, holy cracker barrels. And there's Steve Young and like, you know, all of these famous peep, famous football stars. But my eyes are on Dr. Irv Wiseman. I start a conversation with him. Thank him so much for his work. Boom. Following year, we go to the Rose Bowl, come back to the same person's house again. And there are all these famous people. And Irv's there again. And I'm like, oh, my God, you've made so much improvements with lung cancer and like what you're doing with the research and the paralysis. And then one of my friends, Drew Madu, came over. And I'm like, he's like, who's this guy? You've been talking to him for hours. And I'm like, yeah, this is Dr. I gave him a quick summary, and Irv asked me after that conversation, he goes, do you mind if I give you an internship? And I was wow. like, what? I was like, so the man that can, like brought me over to Stanford, the man that I wanted to meet, had no idea. He is like the father of the, he's the father of the blood-forming stem cell, and that's the idea. If you get a cut, you lose blood. If you need white blood cells, T cells, your immune system, the stem cells form those cells. This guy found the blood-forming one. So just off the bat, how famous he is in the science world is huge. And I'm like, he's the reason I got here. And he just offered me an internship. And I'm like, I have no background in biology. I know science, but not like macrophages. Like I know white blood cells. I'm not going to T cells, B cells. I'm not getting so scientific with it. And this guy just gave it to me. And I was like, wow. And so the next four years developed this huge relationship. And pursuing that, and it's what kept me at Stanford, was that opportunity was 
chasing a dream of meeting a person who I thought has these like tests, tests going on and these assignments going on and all these projects that help cure lung cancer, pancreatic cancer, breast cancer, colon cancer, and paralysis. I'm just like, here is this moment. Um, so sidetracking a bunch, it's just like, yeah, what brought me was him getting the internship, keeping me there, um, having my host family that I ended up living with my junior year kept me in Stanford because I wanted to leave. Like, didn't have such a great time there, to be honest, yet just kept pushing and being an underdog and, like, fighting the good fight, as they say, tearing my ACL, like, just fighting an uphill battle my whole life and just learning that because what my dad says is we are kajused and we are fighters. And it doesn't matter that you don't want to do something and the world's telling you you can't. If you want it, go after it. And I did, and that's what led me to the NFL. And so here I am that I got to leave the NFL on my terms, having an opportunity from Oakland, having an opportunity to try for the Redskins, maybe going to the AAF as well for the San Diego team. It wasn't my passion anymore. And so I feel very successful because of the 16 years came down to hard knocks and that episode and that opportunity to present energy to the world and really teach people how to help themselves, amplify themselves. It came down to that one episode. I got more questions on Instagram from energy and crystals than about football because of it. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like I'm playing something. I went this far in something that I love half-heartedly. How far can I go doing something that I do? And it's better than, and it's greater than me. It's for the world. And that's what led me here. Wow. No, beautiful. <laughs> well, now, and also this happens, you know, cause I want to go, we, I do want to touch on all the other things that happen in between this, but yeah. your retirement comes a day after your 26th birthday. I announced it was on my that? birthday. Yeah. Oh, you did? Okay, because yeah, I said I was announced. Uh, I thought it was announced the following day. Okay, yeah. so you did announce it on your birthday. Mm -hmm. Going um, into my 26th year, number eight, the year of infinite energy and abundance. That's numerology. Um, it all matters. And this is the year that adds up to number three, 2019. Which is also one of, that's what my my numbers are. That's my favorite number is three as well. Um, and 83, obviously, that was my number in Cleveland. So I'm like, more signs. And then my full birthday, 131, 2019, adds to the number eight as well. So that's a multiplier. And I'm just like, you don't need any more signs. Just take the leap of faith and do it. And so I announced it. And I was afraid at first. I really was. And then I was like, no, I'm strong. I've got this. Like, I have the support system. I have the people in my life. I know I can do this. The universe got me across the country with no real no financial means. Like we don't make you don't make money in the NFL unless you are on the active roster. And when you're on that active roster, it better be week by week. If you're not doing that, I made $13,000 last year. That's it. That's all I made. File the taxes, that's what I made playing the NFL. The year before nothing because I was injured. So all my money came from that first year in Green Bay, and it's like that's how the NFL works. If you're not on the team, you don't get paid and these this little, you know, you go all these hours spending all this time all the injuries, yada, 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 that everyone knows, like that's two years without getting paid. Yeah. And no, it's like, it's, and it's and, rude and it's brutal to make in your out there because I don't think people realize, I think they think practice squad is, is over here. No, no practice squad is in the locker room. You practice every day with the ones and the twos. Yeah. We're I mean, the one you're creating the defense and the offense, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I don't know if, if, if people really realize that, uh, that that's what, I mean, you are, you are there every day and yeah. you are practicing every day and you're not and you're getting paid minimal. Um, you have this opportunity, which to make a practice squad is huge to be one of the 64 players that are playing with each organization in this NFL. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, that alone is, is hard is, is to to play collegiately is tough. I mean, 
So um, big ups uh, to you on that. Thank uh, you. Now, you know, and I want to ask too, Bill Walsh. Okay, Bill Walsh, did you, you know, I know your stint with San Francisco 49ers was short um, and you were acquired to Green Bay for their practice squad yes. right after you were released. But did you have any introduction when you went to San Francisco uh, for the 49ers about Bill Walsh or did you read about like very his? Very little. Okay. Very, very have little. Have you read his book? I have not. It's very inspiring. Um, and uh, you I know. will definitely add that to my book list because reading is so important, people, everyone listening. Like, just spend 20 minutes every night, every day. You got to put in that time because there's so much knowledge out there, and reading is so important. And talking to someone who didn't enjoy any reading, hated reading, absolutely. And now I've been doing that in the last three years. It's really changed my life. And just 20 minutes, just do it. 10 pages, you can do it. You, you have this 20-minute thing. I have a 15-minute timer thing I do with my friends. So, like, when I'm trying to get things done, yes. I put the 15-minute timer on. When I'm struggling mentally to, like, you know, I'm all over the place, I try to, okay, 15 minutes. I can, I'm going to clean the office or I'm going to work on this project I need to work on or I'm going to do this for 15 minutes. I do write every night. I, I know that. that's one of your things that yeah, you also generally. shared about. I do a Dear, Dear God letter um, about my day. Uh, I do gratitude list to reset um, but I you know, there's, yes. there's, you know, we all kind of, I think adversity, eh, we've all have our share of adversity, Yes, I think. And I think that brings us to some good solutions and you definitely have a lot of those. Uh, <laughs> no, you do. I'm like, Thank Oh, you. maybe he can heal me. No, 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 no. Um, I'd be more than happy to work on it. I mean, you're the healer. I'm just the conduit. Oh, really? See, it's always, it's always this graciousness. I mean, but it's like, really true. It's like, I'm, I can't force your healing. I can't do your healing. If you don't want it, I, I honestly, that's how the universe and the energy works. So it's like if you're open to it and you want to believe that you want something and achieve and remove these energy blockages. Well, I have a giant garage of tools and healing modalities to help that happen. How do you, how do you sort of, um, I don't know, I can't even put the words on. How do you sort of go through ones that don't per se, that say they want healing, but you can see they're resistant I talk to them and uh, I try to give them a simple example and I can do this with you right now and it's vibration. I learned this from Master Co. I was at a Tony Robbins thing um, and I love using this, that words hold vibration and everyone can experience energy. And so really simple, those of you listening, you can do this with your eyes closed. If you rub your hands together for about three seconds, you want to do this now. Mm -hmm. You rub your hands, create a little heat. You're going to open your palms facing up. I want you to feel the weight in both hands. Just create an awareness to it. Now you're going to bring your right hand up to your mouth and you're going to say the word hate five times. Hate, 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 hate. And put it back down. And you're going to take your left hand, you're going to bring it to your face and you're going to say the word love five times. Love, 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 love. And put it back down. Which one feels heavier? The hate does. And people are like, oh, that's a placebo. You're creating that. I'm like, no, that's the power of words. And if you don't believe me, um, I'm totally blanking on his name right now. But there's this doctor who does research, and there's a documentary. It's a water documentary, the crystal documentary, where he'll take water, and he'll put a word love, one molecule, and he'll take the word hate, and he'll take thankfulness, and then sorrow, and all these words, and then they'll freeze the words next to the vibration of the words, and the words loves and thankful create this beautiful symmetry. But when you see words anger, wrath, and hate, it distorts the crystal, this vibration. 
And that's why words are so powerful. And what you say and what you believe creates the vibration within you. So when someone has this example and never experienced energy, and I do this in the palm of their hands, they just experience literally the different weights of words. And it's like, okay, so now that I've opened your mind a little bit more, here's a crystal. And I remember my, my background comes from raised Catholic. So I got confirmed and all, left it, then came to Christianity, did two years of that, left that as well, but big follower of Jesus. Love what him and Moses are doing. Like, they're still working on you all the time. I love it the whole time. And, oh, and I'm a science guy, stem cell research. Oh, and I played the most hyper-masculine sport in the world. So it's like the last thing you're going to think is I'm going to be a part of crystals. And so when I go home and I'm in Green Bay and I'm at the lowest point in my life, like a punching bag, converted tight end, no direction, no help, feeling helplessness in the middle of a state that I have no idea what to do. In a small city. In a small city. <laughs> and it's just like, okay. So created spirit, had a great relationship with spirit, started reading the energy bus by John Gordon. And then I go home on my bye week and I experienced my first crystal, fluorite, which is about emotional balance and mental balance. And so holding onto the crystal, I experienced this like tingling sensation up my arm and then I put it down. I'm like, whoa. I can't be real. I'm creating that. I pick it back up and the same sensation happens and I create this balance and peace and I'm like, whoa, this is a real thing. And so I'm picking up crystals and I go through what we call a crystal high and you have all of this energy and you're like flowing and you're buzzing. And you're like, this is real. This stuff really works. And you're like, no, it can't be. I'm just creating that. And I get the chills just even thinking about it. And from time after time, that's when it began three years ago, taking off. And so when someone tells me they don't think and they don't believe in it, I'm like, you don't think it works on you. Think of a crystal like a song. When you're listening to a song, it has a message for you. It has lyrics. It has a vibration. And when you have a direction and maybe you're looking for focus, you want to concentrate study. Or maybe you want to rage and go get that workout on just to be the utmost energy. Or sometimes you're just trying to create a peace. It's a song. It's, it brings you this message. And it, it, the same song will sometimes bring you just a different message each time. And it fits in this realm of this music. Same thing with the crystals. They have a specific intention that either want to help you focus, sleep, calm down, release anger, stress, depression, energize you, bring in abundance. It's really endless. So holding on to them is a vibration and it changes their vibration. And if someone ignores it, it's like covering your ears in music. Just because you're not hearing the lyrics, you can still feel the vibration. It still affects you. It's your choice to allow it to either flow or not. And so when someone comes to me with that, I will use the technique of the hands, the hate and love. I'll have a crystal on me more or less. I'll ask them to do a little technique with it. And I'll say, just be open. And if they're not, I'm like, well, last thing I'll give them is dealing with synchronicity. It's like, how come every time that you walk into a room and immediately your judgment comes from your instinct, Good vibe, bad vibe in this person. You could feel it. You know, and I know you can feel it. And you some some people can see things. And you're like, you're making a judgment. It's like, but you're making a judgment off of something that you can feel and you can experience, and that is energy. And when you think of somebody and all of a sudden you haven't talked to them in a long time, and then they text you within minutes. It's like those are synchronicities. That's a connection. That's a wavelength. And the energy I work, I do on people, a lot of it's absentee. I just worked on somebody who was in Florida. And they told me their whole experience as we went through the healing. And they're like, that is absolutely crazy. And the things that they experience is like, you can't tell me it's not real. And I'm telling you the last thing again is you're talking to someone that's been the biggest skeptic in the world. I have all the right to be that skeptic. And yet here I am. And it's changed my life. 
Yeah, no, it's and it changed a lot of people's lives. Wow, Devin, um, thank you. Um, yeah, wow, you know, you uh, there's just uh, there's you know, because I was gonna there was many things I was gonna ask, and you kind of answered a lot of what I was going to ask, you know. But I know yeah. that also, you know, San Francisco to Green Bay, um, and I will we'll go back. N- Chronologically with football only because this is kind of also you, you know, for people that don't know, you are a wide receiver in Green Bay. You started the transition of becoming a tight end um, in addition. um, And you found crystals at this point as well. Yeah. Um, Um, Is there and is there something in, you know, and I've not been to Wisconsin. That is actually um, Lambeau Field is one of the fields. It's like on my wish list or my bucket list because of just the historic yeah, nature of it. it. Um, can you share about getting out there? Because I know this is also a very small town from former players I know. Um, and you, everyone kind of sees everybody in town having lunch. Um, and I mean, coming from like New York to San Francisco and then to Green Bay, Wisconsin. Yeah. It, it, which is not Madison. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, I mean, people who don't know, the people are parking on opening up their their front lawns for people to park on game day as well. Yes. I mean, everything's 15 minutes away. I mean, acres and acres and acres of land and nature and corn, lots of corn and lots of roundabouts um, and every fast food. And restaurant lots of roundabouts, think, too. That's crazy. Yes. The fast food restaurants, everything you could think of. Perkins. Of, Perkins. Perkins, I think, of same state, state college. Might be blanking on it. No, it's just a little coffee. It's a little coffee joint. I mean, a little coffee joint di- like a Coco's or Denny's, but it's it's in the, in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Sorry, no, it's no, all good. Not up there. Um, Didn't make its way to to Wisconsin. Wisconsin, Wisconsin, <laughs> bigs. Um, yeah, the transition was hard at first, and then I'm like, it's actually not because it reminds me of New York, but with peace. And that's, again, the greatest growth that I believe comes from the solitude. A lot of us will isolate, which is when things are too heavy, it's too much anxiety, depression, all of that. So we isolate and we disconnect ourselves. But when you choose solitude, it's choosing to reflect and sit with yourself and your emotions. And Green Bay brought that to me for the first time in my life. Like moving out there, I'm like, okay, I'm moving in my best friend's house. All right, I'm living with his family for a bit. I'm going to eventually... Yeah, it was okay. Ty. Um, and then after that, you know, I moved out of his house and lived in what would look like a crack house. Literally, like, it smelled like cigarettes, like $700 a month for two-bedroom, you know, but it smelled like cigarettes. It was three minutes from the stadium. And again, like, no real money. And first time having this job, figuring it all out on your own. And it's like, all right, what am I going to do here? And I just wanted to kind of wither away for about four or five weeks. And then I met this man named Vince who help transform my life. And I got to give single-handedly, he saved my career when it came to professional football. Um, If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been able to put on 25 pounds. I wouldn't have been the strongest that I've been, the most stable that I've been to get the opportunity that I got with the Packers. Unfortunately, that led to me tearing my ACL in the week I was going to get activated in week 15. However, everything happened for a reason, and my mindset was good. My energy was good. My life was transforming. Um, It was, again, sitting in the solitude in my apartment alone and just dealing with those emotions for the first time. And so the transition in the beginning, like I said, was hard living in my friend's house. But when I moved to that solitude and decided to read the Bible a little bit and connect with Jesus, and that was that my form of spirit, he told me to put the Bible down and just talk to him. 
And then when I listened to spirit, things started happening. When I read this energy bus, which gave me 10 simple rules, and I don't know them off the back of my hand, but basically like positive mindset, things multiplied. And then when I went home for that bye week, experienced my first crystal, brought a few back, it multiplied again. And my life started taking off and the team's energy transformed. Like we were 0 and 4, we weren't winning. And I'm like, I know I can help this team on practice squad. And my energy, I know affected them to the point when I came back, the biggest compliment I got was like, when you left, everything changed, Juice. And I'm like, the power that each and every single one of us can have with your energy, don't think that it doesn't matter, oh, I came from here, I'm doing this, I'm nothing. No, you absolutely are. And you can change an entire city without knowing it if you choose to. And that was kind of the greatest thing and where it, my life, entire trajectory of who I was as a person, the way that I looked at myself, valued myself, and still learning now, but it was from Green Bay. Oh, that's that's awesome. Uh, well, and but, and then also I want to say that they, and then Green Bay was your connection to, to Cleveland. Cleveland Browns. Yeah, the front office. Yeah. Um, now, <coughs> the ACL. You found you got crystals after the ACL, Bef- or before. First ACL freshman year, 2011 at Stanford. Okay. That was the first one. Five years later, ACL, my right knee. That was after the crystals. My attitude was awesome. Positive mindset, trust and spirit. When I tore it, the first thing I get to the training room, like, I think it's happened. I, the way he pulled on my knee, I knew it. I'm like, it's gone. And it was my second conversation with McCarthy. So my first was first play, <laughs> 222. Julius Peppers, power left, which basically, basically is like school body left. He punches me in the chest. I go three yards backwards. He's 300 pounds, silverback gorilla, Hall of Famer. Oh, and Julius Pepper. Yeah, I was yeah. going to ask about him I'm as well. I'm just like, gosh. Pulling guard comes behind me, hits me in the spine. I black out. My first conversation, McCarthy pulls me up. And he's like, you all right? Welcome to the NFL. Tied in. I'm like, yep, just give me a play. Went back in there and then led to the punching bag for the next four weeks. Second conversation. Now we're in week 15. <sighs> McCarthy comes into the training room. and He's like, Juice, you're all right, man. I'm like, I'm great, man. This is... It it all happened for a reason. I got a question for you, though. He's like, yes. I'm like, tomorrow's our secret Santa. Can I still dress up in my Santa suit? And he goes, you just tore your ACL and you're asking me about my Santa, your Santa suit. And I'm like, yeah, man, like just because my knee's gone doesn't mean that I can't bring this energy. And it's like things like that are so important because it's all about your mindset. If you allow these, I give myself two days to be upset about it. And then you got to move forward because if you create the vibration to be lower in vibration, you will stay down there. And I had learned that time and time again, being in Green Bay. When I changed my energy, I started making plays. I started getting better at tight end. I mean, Aaron Rodgers asked me, when are you going to play for us? When are you, what, what, are you, what else you got to do to get on that field? I'm like, that's up to you, man. You're, you're definitely one of the coaches on this team. But for him to notice, for him to take interest in me, for me to obtain the respect of my teammates from nothing, not knowing anything, yeah. being this weirdo, doofus, whatever you want to call it, it's all about your energy and what you carry in your mindset. And Green Bay taught me all of that. And then when I strayed away from it, my life got hard. Wow. No, because, I mean, it was. I mean, a monumental yeah. monumental place to play. Uh, monumental team. Uh, I mean, Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, yeah. Clay Matthews. I was yeah. Jordy Nelson. I mean, you know, there is, uh, who is who is a whole other phenomenal backing as well, I think. He goes and he works on his family's farm in the off season. You know, I mean, uh, so it, this locker room was really special as well. Very. Um, you had the opportunity to be, has, uh, now has Mike McCarthy reached out to you? Um, no, we don't really, I okay. mean, I don't have their numbers personally. Okay, it was okay. just like, 
again, I want to stay out of the coach's face. They deal with so much pressure all the time, you know, and even Aaron's like, don't ask for that stuff. I still talk to Trevor Davis. He's one of my great okay, friends on that okay, team. Okay. Love that guy. Um, really, Jared Cook, who's bounced around, like that's like an older brother to me as well from that team. Um, it really has been enjoyable to talk to a few guys. And when I've gone back, I went back for that tryout. To get the love that I got, you know, coming a year later, like I was like, I just can't, I can't express how amazing that was. I'm like, when you don't think you're a nobody, right? You're a practice squad, no name, did nothing. But the impact that you had, again, for Aaron Rodgers, Randall Cobb, Trevor Davis, like Clay Matthews, people to check in on you who you really, again, they're used to a locker room changing all the time. And for them to come and say hello is like, wow, like you can really do something again just with your energy. Well, I believe that because it's not just your talent, it's your energy. Yeah. And I think that's why teams make it all the way. Yeah. Is it's it's not what is uh, Bill Belichick say he doesn't he recruits players that are technique players, not ones that so quote unquote are athletic players. They are technique players. They do their job and they make this morph. You know, the Chargers locker room I'm in. So I do I see the transition of locker room. Um, and 11 years, I see, I have, you know, guys pulling things out of the way for me to sit down when I'm doing an interview in the locker room, which I don't expect. Um, just the caliber of guys in the locker room. Let's talk, I, you know, I went to, I mentioned, I went to, I was at Pro Day of uh, Chargers. It was a local Pro Day. How, now, did you go to the Niners local Pro Day? I did. Is that, okay, because I had a funny feeling that might be. Um, you know, walking in as a player, you know, as the media, I know, you know, I get my list and it's, you know, they're like, okay, I'm like, uh, do we have, do we know who's going to be here today, you guys? You know, and I get my, you know, like, we'll have something on the field for you. Okay, cool. Oh, awesome. No numbers. <laughs> you know, I'm like, Just okay, names. does everyone, who are you looking for? Well, I'm looking at this guy and this guy and this guy, you know, they're all teasing me because they're mostly Trojans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, Cameron Smith is pretty, is pretty great. I, I yeah. you know, I mean, and, and a lot of players, uh, anyone there. Uh, and then I get this, and everyone's like, how did you get that? But this is a minimalist, and what it is is just a it's a headshot of everyone. What was it like for you as a player to show up and, like, with the media? And, you know, what's your, you know, it would be cool to hear your perspective on that and coming up, showing up on a pro day and being asked to speak to the media if if that was a possibility with the with Stanford or with the Niners, pardon me. I mean, I, don't, I think only happened, like, maybe once. Uh, maybe I might have had two. It was very small, but very, uh, to me, it was like, whoa, like someone, they're interested in me, you know, local, Stanford local, and then Chip Kelly, you know, he played against him. Yeah. Great games against that guy. Like I, that man, I have a lot of respect for as well. I know a lot of people are like, oh, his system. And I'm like, I have a whole other opinion on that. Anyway, but great people. And to have the media, I think they do a very good job of one, respecting our time and us respecting their time. And it's not a barrage of, Hey, let me find the difficult question to make you look like an, you know, a jerk. No. It was really like genuine people and it was really cool. It's like, whoa, wait, this is an NFL interview. This is like, you know, having that being up on a podium and be like, wow, like they're interested in all these questions. I'm like, you feel important for the first time in a different way. And it's like, it, it did feel very special because I didn't feel that way at Stanford. I really felt more neglected than anything. And I know it made it seem impossible with that. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like, now I'm on an NFL team, and the, what I'm doing is only ball. It was just a really cool experience. Right on. Yeah. No, yeah. and Well, I mean, uh, three-year starter at Stanford, uh, 14 touchdowns, 1,500 or 1,589 yards, and 
90 receptions, two Rose Bowls. Um, yeah, I know it sounds like, I mean, how are you neglected? And and yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, I want to say that as well, because I think also our perception, regardless of what we have done, but our perception of ourselves is also, uh, it's, you know, it's so hard. I think humility is like what is, is being one with everyone, not worse, not better. And like finding that, and granted, we all have our special assets that we bring and right. acknowledging them. But it's a it's it, it, that's a little dance. Yeah, it's a hard balance. And I mean, old me would have never said any like I felt neglected. Like, give me the ball. Like, I'm not being like I deserve the ball all the time. Give me, give me, give me. Like, that's not. It what wasn't I'm a saying. selfish thing. No, no, I no. didn't. It didn't feel that. I, it yeah. felt more like um, more of an awe. Like, you know, maybe your career at Stanford wasn't as uh, you know, uh, media wasn't all all over you all the time. Perhaps, and it wasn't even media. It was like just playing the game. It's you know how do you develop the nickname of a machine or an Iron Man, and then Mister Clutch, like never drops the ball. My catch to drop ratio, like being told the work you put in is what you're going to get out, right? So working harder. They told me I needed to be faster, and so I ran a four four four. I needed to be leaner. I'm six four. I was two twenty four when I ran that. Ran a four four four. You need to be leaner than two. Well, at that when it was my junior year. Wow. You know, they were telling me, you need to be faster. I'm like, right, four, four, four. I did it. Here we go. And then you need to be stronger. All right, so now I'm benching, you know, over near like 275. I'm squatting a decent amount. I'm blocking. I just got to block safeties. We're the same size. If not, they're smaller. Yeah, I was going to say they're most likely they're right. up to six foot right. at the very highest. Got to get it. And so my body fat was 4.9% at 224. It's like the lean machine. My nickname was, people call me Juice and PED. They thought I was on stuff. Because I spent so like so much time meticulously calculating every single meal, every little thing for ten weeks straight. Spring springtime was like when I was in my peak performance, jumping, catching, never dropped the ball, all of these things. And then to then be the leading, the second leading receiver behind by almost forty catches, like forty opportunities. I'm like, and then I got the same stat the next year. You know, you go through these frustrations. And it's like, what am I not doing? And then you like learn the political battle and everyone goes through it. And I don't mean to sound like I'm complaining on here, but this neglection led to a lot of like, it's not about what you do, it's who you know, or it's not about being the top performer and how hard you work. And so I felt very defeated. And honestly, it was one of the greatest lessons because I'm being told, you know, everyone, a lot of people are being told, oh, you're going to get drafted, you're going to get drafted, you're going to get drafted. And I'm like, yeah, I feel like I'm worthy of that. What I do on the field, I'm not perfect, but I don't drop that ball. And I make moments in their clutch, and I think I can perform maybe third, fourth round, and then they go undrafted. Is like, all right, here we are. And I sulked in it for a long time, and it defeated me for a long time. I fell off the track really, really hard and learned that, you know, no one really cares, and it doesn't matter. And that's where my biggest lesson came in when it came to Green Bay. Is like, you got you to put that stuff behind you because you learned so much. And do you see how far you were able to go? Being neglected, you want to see how far you were able to go being told that you weren't going to make it, you weren't going to be anybody, that you were ranked in a position that you didn't even play. Like when I changed my perspective to going from me, 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 and like feeling sorry for myself, and I kept my mouth shut for so for my whole college career. This is a, me voicing for the first time how I felt. And it's like, oh, you're not being humble. And I'm like, no, I really felt like I could have competed in a better way and contributed more and whatever. And it's like, but it didn't happen because I had to learn what I learned to become the person that I am now. And the attributes and the attention to detail and the accountability and the responsibility that I learned and the discipline and the work ethic that has developed was because of those moments. 
And so, yeah, I can say all I want, like, oh, I was neglected. I want the ball. And they did give me the ball at times. You hear those stats, and it's like, but how do you, how do you, I can give you stories of like, great, come out hot, get my first touchdown, then don't get anything for like four or five games. No touchdowns, no nothing. It's being fed elsewhere. Or my first game back another year, three touchdowns in my first game, and then boom, get nothing for almost the whole season. It's like you get perplexed by it as a student athlete. You're being told all of these things. And it's like sitting, moaning, complaining, whining, you know, whatever you want about. And I'm like, no, again, it was because of these moments, not saying anything. I can voice to it now that I was able to become the strength and the strong person that I am. And I'm grateful for those moments. And yeah, I thought I deserved the ball more, but I actually got it exactly the amount I was supposed to because who would have known if I would have headed down that path, got the ball all the time, got the media, got the attention. Who knows how much I could have gotten lost in the sauce, as they say. Say I was drafted high. Say I had all the accolades, got all this money. I mean, the person I would have been, I don't think I'd be anywhere near that I am now. I don't think I'd be humble. I don't think I would be anywhere, maybe not as giving. Maybe I'd be giving in a superficial way. I mean, there's so many things that happen when that stuff comes into the picture. And yeah, I could say, all right, you know, I'd probably do a better job than most. And that's just the shoulda, woulda, coulda. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't claim that because so many of us fall down that path because what we're seeking is love. We're seeking attention. We're seeking want and approval. And that's what I thought was a way of getting it. And I didn't get it. And so I had to find what was the most ultimate answer is self-love. And again, I bring it back to Green Bay. And that's when I discovered it for the first time. Now, Green Bay has, there It's there are American uh, indigenous people from yeah. Green Bay. Yes. Um, and you have this beautiful stick that you brought in <laughs> uh, as well. Yes. Um, you know, let's, um, in, in, I mean, do you feel like that might be some connection? Absolutely. Um, and also a lot of minerals, I'm assuming, out in in Wisconsin. Not I a, might be wrong. I didn't actually go to oh, a crystal okay. store out there. Not so much a crystal store, but minerals in the soil out there. Oh, I actually haven't dove into that okay. very much. No other geology. Than using, <laughs> yeah, no geology. Um, <laughs> other than grounding there, I learned to ground and literally walk around outside of linkage, uh-huh. um, where, again, my trainer Vince and saved my career. I'd walk on the grass right next to his building for 10 minutes and decrease the inflammation, increase my grounding balance, and learning to do that in my bare feet. And it's freezing cold outside. But it was worth it. Yeah. Like a lot of that um, really has helped me tremendously. And the staff my mother gave to me uh, was carved by a Native American in Sedona, Arizona. She gave it to me four years ago. So I wasn't even into energy. I was like, this is okay, sick. Thanks, mom. It's a walking stick. I like hikes. Awesome. And I didn't walk around with it. And now I walk everywhere with it. And I know it's, again, you're like, this person's crazy. His name is Bakiros. And that's the light story, the heavy story. Again, not a religious person, but really believing in Jesus and what he did, Moses, what they did to come and change the world and bring this message of trusting spirit, love, and light. And so here's my shepherd staff, and I lead that example, and I bring that peace and being a leader because I want to change the world for the world. I want people to know that they have the power within themselves and that everyone is capable of anything that they want and put their minds to. Their intentions are good and their intentions are strong. That will be multiplied and come back to you. And the staff embodies that, and I have three of them. And when people are having a bad day or they're around me, I'm like, hey, just go for a walk for a bit. And honestly, they come back with more peace every time. I've got nothing but great comments from this thing. And it's like people want to judge it. And I'm like, hey, that's just where you're at right now. You're not ready to accept. That's cool. It's your mirror. It's where you're at. But this has brought me so much peace. No, really. It's, it's really, it's beautiful. 
Uh, and you you have brought a lot of peace to a lot of people. <laughs> no, you have you have impacted us. You know, and we haven't really talked. We've talked a little bit about um, hard knocks. You shared in the beginning of the show, which some beautiful things. Uh, but you have impacted so many people. Um, obviously, that vehicle was was a grateful opportunity for many to see what you have, the energy you have, and the fight and the grit. Uh, and I think the world or the, na- you know, at least the U.S., the nation was rooting for you. <laughs> I know I was, you know, everyone was rooting for you. And uh, what and you had a phenomenal fourth game against uh, Detroit, the opening drive, I think you had a 40 yard uh, reception, 49 on the first possession, um, you know, and then you roll both ankles um, <laughs> in the game. Um, more adversity, energy. You know, more, more energy. energy. And granted, you're like, wrap them up, wrap them up. Let me I'll get right back in there. Um, you mentioned ACLs. Um, I, as an athlete as well, or former, I, mean, I guess you're always an athlete. Is always an athlete. Plate screws, washers, punctured lung, broken ribs, ACLs, MCL, fractured hip, 8-millimeter bulging disc, or 18-millimeter bulging <laughs> oh disc, um, car accidents, ankles, ACL, MCL, ACL. Looking at you, I would never think any of that. That's just seeing the scar on your elbow. I didn't even see that. So, like, so obviously these two from wow. skateboarding. But uh, you know, I mean, it's just it's part it's part of being an athlete, and it's also one of the hardest learning and one of the greatest tools as an athlete is running, walking through adversity of being injured because it's not a physical pain. I mean, granted, sometimes it is. Yes. You're like, what the? Yeah. But it's. The pain of not being able to do your outlet. Um, you now have crystals, and you've been, you know, with this healing, you've always had sort of a strong connection to God or Jesus or, you know, some Source, form of the it, universe, whatever, wanted, yes. whatever goodness yes. you believed in. Yes. Um, how have you been able to, before you found, you know, the healing of, of your minerals uh, and the crystals, what did you use and how did you get through those times? That was where I learned about my will. That was my mindset. That's where I get from my dad. Is my life I was used to this roller coaster that many of us embark on. And I was anticipating the next thing bad was gonna happen because something great just happened. And I created that mindset. And going through Stanford, even going through a little bit of high school, it's like constantly being told, You can't, you won't. My team rejected me, rebelled, telling me I can't, you're gonna get kicked off the team. Like really it was really harsh and college and I also created that because I didn't give any I didn't let anybody in I had learned trust no one and many of us learned that trust no one and when I was younger I trusted everybody I would tell everybody in the world I'd be the best friends with a serial killer or the guy in the white van with the candy like I would see the best in everyone and I remember being 10 years old and I remember we would play fr- on Friday boys versus girls soccer and the first time we went to Tommy Tarallo's, I'm like, hey, why don't we start where, you know, once a week we'll rotate on who buys the pizza, the two liter bottle of soda and wings. And $20 as a kid, you know, I would recycle cans to get that. Mm-hmm. And it happened one week. And then we tried to do it weeks after that. We'd go back to Tarallo's and it never happened. And I was like, it was the first time at 10 years old realizing like, wow, people are jerks or like they don't appreciate you. And it hit me heavy. And then moving forward, it was like, try to find more and more good, but more and more bad things would happen. And I'm like, the world is cold. And so learning that if I wanted something, I just had to keep pushing through the BS. I had to keep pushing through this poo that's just naturally on you all the time. And you just keep going. And another big accolade I got to give is my coach Shannon Turley at Stanford. When I tore my ACL and I am screaming, like I'm just 
I'm neglecting everyone. I'm like, F you guys. Like, none of you believe me. Even my friends, they were just like, what, you, you're an issue. You're a problem. I couldn't figure out why I wasn't sleeping. I'd wake up with anxiety attacks, screaming, full night terrors. Like, can't. I'm late to meetings because it's in the morning, late to these lifts. So I get dawn patrols. I, I was the, called the king of dawn patrol. 30-minute punishments in the morning at 6.30 that you had to be there. And it's like just this horrible workout. And I got so good at them that my coach doubled the rounds together to in one round to try and like break me. And I would like laugh and have a conversation as he was going because I was so physically fit in general. And this, it was just like, you can't break me. Like I refused. But the point is like, all I wanted to do was rebel. It was just this urge of anger and rage and hate that I had built up inside that it created this will. And then he sat me down and he goes, when are you going to take responsibility? Mm. When are you going to be accountable for your actions? When are you going to stop blaming everyone else? When are you going to grow up? And it wasn't like, grow up, Devin. It was like, this man cared about me when I felt no one else did. And the biggest feat was we had this machine called the Versa Climber. And so I'd have to go to rehab and I'd be like dealing with, you know, being accountable and making sure I was on time and making sure I made the decision to eat healthy and whatnot. And this Versa Climber is basically you strap your feet in. It's like a pole and you strap your two hands in and you basically climb in place. And to pass your rehab, you had to get 960 feet. And the record was 981 held by coach. Turley, and I'm going after it for two months, two and a half months, twice a week, I would do the five minute climb. And I'm going, I'm grinding, I'm grinding. I'm trying to prove to my teammates that I'm worth it. I, I'm valuable. And he goes to me, he's like, when are you gonna break the record? And I'm like, what? I'm like, why, what, I, what, I just need 960. And he's like, why? You've come this far, you've gone this why close. Go why don't you go for it? Make a statement. And I was like, all right. And he's like, do it this Friday in front of the team. And I was like, I'm not doing it in front of the team. <laughs> I was like, we're not <laughs> doing that. They hate me already. No. Yeah. And so come around Wednesday. It's only five coaches, strength coaches. And I'm in that weight room. And I put on my team songs, you know, Enter the Sandman and um, New York State of Mind. And, and it definitely wasn't Enter the Sandman, but I say that because that was Coach Turley's song. Uh -huh. And I like throw him the bone with that. And so I hop on this Versa Climber and comes down to the last like five seconds. And they're like, you can break it. And not only did I break it, I hit a thousand feet and a thousand and five. No wow. one's ever hit a thousand and five. And I got off that thing and I'm screaming, F you guys, F you coach, that's my belt. Give me this. Like I'm going ham with this whole thing. And what it kept teaching me was the same lesson of my will. It was, yes, everything's against you, but if you will it, you can literally get through anything. And although my source was anger at the time and hate and rage, I eventually burnt out. So now I'm getting to this moment. Here I am where I can still harness, you know, anger and rage, but like put it inside and my direction with my intention and my will can get me so far where adversity in your way, it doesn't matter what's there. If you want something to happen, you can make it happen. Right on. Okay. And we, we, we got like another minute left. Um, <laughs> no, um, huge thanks, you know, for making the time to come in. I do have um, beautiful and articulate soul, giver of life and inspiration, Devin. Tell him I said heal the world, brother. And that's from TJ Hart. TJ! So I reached out to him. I reached out to oh, Elijah, Elijah Holder as well. Uh, he was in Texas because I thought he might have overlapped at Stanford. Um, I know him. I watched him play at Oceanside High School and his brother. Uh, and so he's a great, great kid. Um, awesome dude. Yeah. And But I do one last question is, and it's got to be real quick though, is, mm -hmm. you know, having been on Hard Knocks last year with the Browns. I know that at Green Bay Packers, it was really, this is a pinnacle point for you in your life, in your life, not just your career. 
um, the Browns. Do you root for the Browns now? Was it exciting for as exciting for you to root for them last season as it was for for many? Absolutely, hundred percent. I would love to see that team in that city. That city deserves it to win a Super Bowl. Like you guys deserve it. That city, so much love for Cleveland. I love those guys. I'm heading back there in August for a wedding. For fans, so oh, it's like rad. love them. So, all oh, yeah, it's continuous support. I support all the teams that supported me, right but on. definitely Cleveland as a special yeah, place. Yeah, no, and I, you know, I did yeah. want to. So, uh, right on. Well, thank you. Um, and uh, you guys. Oh, and I have some wave soda for you as well. This is a little. This Sweet. is. Um, I've got a six pack, a rad little six pack of a variety. <laughs> There's no artificial anything, oh, no wow. added sugar, fifteen uh, percent juice, uh, nothing you can't pronounce. Um, and so this for you and some bamboo. Um, yeah, and so... I'm all about it. Yeah, I thought you might enjoy that. Thank you so much. All right, you guys. Well, thanks again, Devin, and thank you guys for tuning in. This is the Desiree Show on Dash Radio, and have a dynamite week, and I'm out.